Hello, friends. Welcome to the Career Guru Podcast. I am your host, Steve Yanofsky. What a glorious day it is to start your path on a new career. Doors are opening here at the Boston Career Institute even as we speak. And I'm here holding the key for you. So tune in, stay sharp, and enjoy yourself. This is going to be great. Hashtag Let's Career Up. Good day to you, my friends, firing career gurus, conversationalists, thrill seekers all across the fruited plain. Career Guru here, coming to you live with yet another installments of the Career Guru podcast. I'm very happy to be here with you today, and I would love to do one of these episodes today to respond to the emails that have accumulated over a period of time since the last time we did one of these segments. So today I want to address some of the emails and the comments on YouTube, which is a lot, where a lot of these comments are coming from. So without further ado, I'd like to jump in and start talking about some of the more prescient matters that have interested the aspiring career gurus out there. I, of course, edited some of the questions and picked the ones that I liked the most. But that's, I guess, up to me. Let's get cracking and uh, let's talk about some of the things that matter the most. So one of the topics that uh, seems to be popping up based on some of the conversations that you and I have had around here is the question of employment and organizational discrimination. I, I would like to uh, address that because it's a very interesting topic. Discrimination, I talk about discrimination when I talk about interviewing and resumes and so on and so forth. It is a hot topic and people need to understand how to deal with all this. I did say organizational discrimination. I'm going to go out on the limb and I'm going to say that this sort of thing does not exist here. Organization inherently by itself cannot discriminate. It's a non-entity. People discriminate. Individual people are discriminate. And there are sometimes cultures of discrimination within certain groups of people within organization. Now, since we're talking about employment and employability, let's address this issue head on. Discrimination is real, folks. It does exist. People discriminate all the time, probably not for the same reasons that we all have gotten accustomed to listening to the word discrimination. Now, I know I've talked about this, but this topic keeps popping up and I would be remiss if I did not address it yet again. People discriminate all the time. We discriminate when we cross the street, whether it's a red light or a green light, we can tell the difference between those things. And cross the street when it's safe for us to do so, or maybe not so safe, but we do it anyway. We discriminate against rotten piece of fish. We're not going to eat that. That is not going to work for us. That's discrimination of sorts. Now, the discrimination that most people talk about is discrimination based on race, uh, gender, whatever the case may be. There's all sorts of things which are absolutely wrong. And of course, people don't see you when you send out your resume, yet they're able to discriminate against you somehow. That usually comes in the form of not being able to pronounce the name that's on your resume. If a person is not able to pronounce your name on the resume correctly, they may not call you. And that is a form of discrimination. Whether it's good or bad is inconsequential to us. Our job is to get a job, a professional job in your chosen career. So with that in mind, your goal is to understand the rules of the game. Once you understand the rules of the game, you'll be able to play the game with some amount of success. And I can tell you that from personal experience. And I'll explain why. In my line of work, I get a lot of people from who were not born in the United States. 
people with all sorts of interesting, unique names, interesting and unique backgrounds and experiences, all sorts of backgrounds. And these people are highly qualified professionals who need to get employment, who need to get their foot in the door since my business is healthcare in, in, the, in the field of uh, healthcare, but it applies to any field of endeavor of, of chosen professions. It makes absolutely no difference. You send out your resume and you put your entire name on there and your entire name is unpronounceable to any person living in the United States or outside of the United States. Here is a human resources professional looking at your resume and they cannot pronounce your name. Several options. They can butcher your name and look stupid or they don't have to call you at all because they have a few other candidates too. What do they do? Well, here's where you run into an issue and that's where it is. They don't want to call you because they don't want to look silly when they try to pronounce your name. So they're going to trash your resume. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. People come to all sorts of incorrect assumptions. For example, I have a long unpronounceable name. And yet you know me as Steve. Why do you think you know me as Steve? Well, because no one can pronounce my real first name. So I chose Steve. I picked it up, picked the name out of the hat. It makes absolutely no difference what name you pick as long as you like it. Put that name on your resume and you will get a phone call. But I get this note that says, but Steve, doesn't that sound like racism? Doesn't that sound like discrimination? Sure. Of course, it does sound like it. And the follow-up question was, now why would I want to work in that place? And what now here is when we come into understanding what we want to do. Working in a place and interviewing in a place is a two-way street. You get to see if you're going to like working in that place. Now, remember, the initial decision to make a phone call to reach out to you for an interview comes from one individual. If they made a mistake, if they inappropriately discriminated against your candidacy based on your name, based on a few other things. It's an error. The organization by itself is good. We have lots of great institutions here in Massachusetts. Excellent hospitals, excellent schools, and yet people are discriminated against on a daily basis. How can that be? Well, it's not by organization. They have policies against this sort of thing. It's by an individual who may have exercised an error in judgment. Your job, if you want to have a job, is to prevent these minor errors in judgment from taking hold and removing you from a pool of candidates. And that is one of the rules of the game. And, you know, people get upset with me. Oh, it's not a game. It's a job. This is a serious business. Shouldn't we fight this? Yes, 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 we should. But not on the level that most people are coming about. It's much more difficult to fight something when you're on the outside, it's much easier to fight something when you're already on the inside. So your goal, first and foremost, is to get your foot in the door. And this is what we need to concentrate on. I suggest to you not to get consumed by feelings of fairness or unfairness. Life is just not fair. Not to get confused by thoughts of discrimination and racism. You need to give these people an opportunity to see you for who you are. You, the only way you can do that is if you get that job. The only way you can do that is if you get that initial phone call for an interview. And that's what my suggestion is. You want to call yourself Bob? Call yourself Bob. Jane, no problem. These are all names that people are accustomed to. These are names of these people's friends. You have to be that person that they want to call. 
And remember, resume is not a legal document. Your job application is, but your resume is not. So you can make these changes to maximize your opportunity for success, which is what we want to do. A lot of people also give me a lot of negative feedback about some of the comments that I made about folks with tattoos. Believe me when I tell you the career guru has no issues with people with tattoos, but other people may. In some of my videos, which you have responded to, I talk about tattoos and interviews. It's true that over the last few years, tattoos have become a lot more commonplace and a lot more accepted than they once used to be. That is true. But that still does not preclude some people from discriminating against people with tattoos. My suggestion is to make sure that at least prior to being hired, you show up with some of these tattoos and piercings covered so as not to have people accidentally exercise an error in judgment against your wonderful candidacy just because you have a tattoo. Tattoos are cultural. Some people consider them art. And given what I see out there right now, it certainly does seem like art. But to some people, the perception is everything. Maximize your chances for success and reduce the number of things that people can discriminate against you. People discriminate about just about anything, and you can never know why and how. So your job is to look and sound just like people who already work in that organization into which you are applying. Cursing the darkness is not going to make it go away. Turning on, turning on the light will. Having thoughts of discrimination and racism is all wonderful. Having justified anger is also okay in the right circumstances, but not when you try to get somewhere. I would walk away from these thoughts and learn to play the game the way people play this game. And then you can effectuate change. That's how this is done. I hope I made myself clear about this. And I have a lot of comments and a lot of feedback about tattoos and so on and so forth. And I just want to clarify my position for you. And I want you to understand why I say what I say. My goal is to see you succeed. My goal is to see you make it big. You're not going to get that opportunity if someone makes a mistake and says, I don't want that person based on the spelling of their name. I don't want that person based on the tattoo that they have. Maximize your chance of success, minimize your chances for discrimination, then your chances for success increase exponentially. And that is the career guru's suggestion for you. I say it as a person who lives it. Believe me when I tell you, this experiment is conducted by the career guru all the time. I can put my real name or I could put Steve. Steve always gets the job but the other fella doesn't. So there you go. All right, let's go to the next question. I get a lot of questions about volunteering in hospitals. Again, uh, volunteering can happen anywhere, but some folks ask me, Steve, would it be beneficial for me to find a volunteer position? It's an interesting question to ask, and I'm a little bit torn about volunteering. Volunteering for the sake of, for the sake of getting a job doesn't work. For several reasons. Number one, it is extraordinarily difficult to find a volunteer position of any value. Hospitals and other employers, large employers, do have volunteer services departments. But if you're looking for a professional volunteer position, 
that is certainly not available through the volunteer services. If you want to deliver magazines, the, the people used to do that. If you want to be one of the people who provides concierge services, host services, yeah, those positions are available through the volunteer departments. But if you want to do something related to your occupation, volunteering on its own is not going to happen. You will not be able to secure that position through the volunteer services department. And this is why. Let's take example from the hospitals. Again, this is my area of expertise, so I'm going to talk about it that way. If you want to volunteer in a clinical setting, you will have to go through uh, jump all sorts of hoops like you would as an employee. The hospital doesn't want to take a chance on a person who is not contractually bound to do anything for the hospital. You're not covered by hospital's liability insurance. You're not covered by all sorts of protections afforded to an employee because you didn't sign a contract. The hospital is not paying you. That means that the contract is not valid because there's no exchange of money or other considerations that make a contract valid. For the sake of liability, the hospitals do not, in most cases, provide volunteer experience unless you go through a school such as the Boston Career Institute, where the career guru applies his craft. Schools, career schools, colleges have contractual agreements with hospitals. We have to jump through hoops to provide the hospitals all sorts of legal protections, most importantly, having to do with liability. Liability for something going wrong within a patient care setting. A liability that can happen to you, that in case a person gets injured. All of these things have to be taken into consideration. And that is why people are literally get disenchanted after all the tries and all the conversations they have within the hospital areas, they cannot get a volunteer position to save their life. Folks, it is much easier to get a job. It is much easier to get a job. And it's even better to be paid for the time that you're spending. Why? Because people see value when they pay you. When you donate yourself, you have no value. This is just one of those rules of the game that people must understand. Volunteering means to employers that you are expecting and you can work for free. Okay, so they don't look at you and they don't value that. When they pay you more money, they value you more. When they pay you less money, they value you less because they know that you've accepted a position that pays so little money. That means you don't value you either. While volunteering is a wonderful enterprise, it's great if you can do it through the volunteer services, but you're not going to get anything of value for that. Otherwise, if you want to have not a volunteer experience, but an internship or an externship, the way that some people refer to it, same thing. For that, you have to go through an educational institution that provides you all of these protections and contracts with these employers. And you still have to go through employee orientation. You have to sign all sorts of policy disclosures and, and so on and so forth. That is an important step. That is something that you must do. This is something that makes it work. And this is how you can actually secure a job through an internship, because these people do get to meet you in, a, in an appropriate employee-employer uh, relationship setting. They see how you are. They use this to have a baseball reference, a farm team, so to speak, 
we have the Red Sox here in Boston, and we have the Pawtucket Sox, you know, in Rhode Island, Paw Sox. And that's the farm team. For example, a professional team gets their players from the semi-pro team. This is how they treat internships. For example, here in, in the Boston Career Institute, we have an all a whole uh, internship department that sends people out on a daily basis. And that is a lot of work. So we service the people who show up here, who take our, the training through us, and we put people out on internship, which for the most part will end up in a job. Okay. And that is a wonderful thing to do. But as far as classical volunteering is concerned, no bueno does not work. Not in these settings. Too much liability. It's not that the, it's not that they don't want to give you a hand. They do. Most people do want to help, but the policies are set up as such to protect you and to protect the hospital and to protect the patients or the employer and the clients, whichever way you, you look at it. There's my answer to you for volunteering, and I hope that works for you. All right. I know people reach out to me in desperations looking to volunteer so they can get in. And this is particularly interesting in my field of expertise well, I have several, but right now it's hospital sterile processing or central processing is sometimes called because right now you're able to take the national board examinations for this particular profession and you receive a, what they call a provisional certification. And some folks just can't get into the hospital without some experience. So here are these certified people, nationally certified, and they can't get a job because they don't have that internship. They don't have that required experience of 400 hours of hands-on training and they're calling me said hey steve can you help me can you help me well sometimes i can most of the times i cannot because there uh, you know these restrictions for volunteering hospitals won't let you do that there's simply too much liability at stake that leads me to the next question which is kind of a follow-up to volunteering is uh what about sterile processing what is sterile processing I know several people have reached out to me. They still don't understand exactly what this field is. I talk about it all the time because I'm very passionate about it. So let me tell you about what hospital sterile processing or hospital central services is all about. Everyone knows what surgery is. Surgery is a big deal in hospitals. 60% of all money coming into the hospital comes from surgery. That's when doctors, nurses, surgical technicians stand there in the operating room and they operate. They either fix things or they cut things out, whatever the case may be, using all sorts of intricate or not so intricate devices to do so. Now, in order for them to do their job, somebody has to provide sterile or ready for surgery, surgical instruments and devices. This is where hospital sterile processing or hospital central processing services comes in. Hospital central service technicians are an important member of the, what they call perioperative team or team of people that work around surgery, people who make surgery happen. Without sterile processing technicians, doctors and nurses, surgical technicians cannot have the tools to do surgery. If you can't operate, if you don't have the tools, you cannot operate, you cannot save lives, you cannot bring money into the hospital. 60%, more than half of all the money coming into the hospitals comes from surgery. Surgery works only if sterile processing technicians work and do their job right. People don't get sick from infections, from dirty instruments. 
if sterile processing people do their job correctly. That is why national certifications and actually their international certifications are in existence today. This is one of the most interesting fields to get into in the hospital. If you want to work in healthcare, but you don't want to work with patients or in patient care, this is great. This is good for people who are technically inclined. These are the people who want to have certifications that can take them places. This is it. For many, many decades, this profession has been overlooked, but now people are scratching their heads and saying, well, geez, maybe we should do something about this. We have some intricate equipment, robotic equipment, laser equipment, ultrasonic equipment, all sorts of stuff that surgeons are using today to perform absolutely miraculous life-saving procedures or just procedures that make people happy. Hair replacement surgery. A lot of bald people out there are swearing by it because they have full heads of hair. Plastic surgery. Some people don't like the noses that they were born with, so they go fix that. And other things. All sorts of interesting things. Replacement hips, heart valves, incredible surgeries performed on babies inside their mother's womb to save their life so they would come out alive and, and well which is absolutely incredible. This field currently has four separate certifications, which means that with every piece of paper that you get, you get more money. And right now the money is becoming competitive. So there's lots of opportunities in that field and it's an excellent field. Right now you can make a decent living wage. I am available to you to answer any questions. So if you want to know more, ask me, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's through any other platform on which you're listening to me or my email address, just ask away. I am here to answer these questions. I'm very excited about this field, very passionate about this field. And I have lots of, lots of students who have succeeded and are making a lot of good money, very good money right now in all the Boston area hospitals, lots of job openings. I suggest you check it out, go online, go on indeed.com or go on individual hospital websites type in sterile processing, and you will see who's hiring and where and how often. Feel free to reach out. I'll be more than happy to provide you with the information and advice and suggestions as I am the career guru. Okay, let's see what else is there. Saving the best, so to speak, for the last. Painful, very difficult, but I'm going to tackle this head on. I had a young lady here who had reached out to me, and this is following one of my learn to learn ones that we had, which I will complete shortly. But one of the ones I said is to turn away from failure and embrace success. And this struck a chord with one of our listeners. And she reached out to me, she said, Steve, how can I do that? I have so many problems. The problems are severe. I must tell you that the issues are incredible. She's a single mom several kids with disabilities, and I can't even begin to describe the, the absolute pain I felt when I heard the entire story. But you know what? This is not the first time I heard the story. As a matter of fact, most of the people who come through my doors, and I get about 600 people to come, who come through my doors each year at the Boston Career Institute, and each one has a story. People working here for me at Boston Career Institute are people with stories. I have stories. You have to find a way to succeed. You have to find a way out of the darkness. Choose light. It is so easy to be beat down. It's so difficult to be upbeat. I don't want to sound like a cliche, but it is true. It is easy to roll back. It is easy to let the darkness and difficulties take over. 
you have a lot of people out there who are just waiting for you to wallow in your misery. And they're there for you when you're miserable, but they're not there with you when you succeed. So you need to walk away from those people too. turn away. You don't have to abandon them, but choose people who will support you and guide you. The goal is to keep working. The suggestion that I can make for you, as I had made to this young lady, yes, you have these problems. Yes, you have these issues. Yes, it's hard. Number one suggestion I have is don't go it alone. Always reach out to those around you. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't try to do it by yourself. There are so many places, so many organizations who are here to help you. All you have to do is increase the number of people you talk to, increase the number of people you share your story with. You would be surprised how many wonderful people walk this earth. Yes, there are some bad ones, but there are far more good people walking around um, amongst us. The more people who know your story, more people will branch out like wildfire. They're going to help you. Some won't, but it only takes one to help you. Start talking to people. Reach out to people. Have the people point you in the right direction. There are organizations out there who deal with just about everything. You're not alone. You're not alone. There are people out there. Look for support groups. Look for people, individuals who are out there dealing with the same things. People who succeed while tackling the same problems. It is imperative for you to succeed. It is most important for your sanity, for you to succeed, for your children, for your loved ones who are struggling with these issues. It is imperative for you to succeed. Again, talk to as many people as you can. Share your story. Ask for help. Don't be ashamed to ask for help. It is the greatest shame not to ask for help. It helps you and it helps the person who offers you aid and comfort. It is important for people to help others. People feel good about themselves when they you. You're doing them a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. You're doing your children a favor, your neighbors, your loved ones who will watch you succeed and say, well, geez, if he or she can do it, maybe I can too. And you too will inspire others and help others. It is a beautiful cycle of goodness and kindness that will be endless if you but open your mind and heart, start talking to people, start asking for help. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. You will succeed. One of the organizations that the Boston Career Institute works with is called Mass Hire. They pay for our programs. If you're eligible, they will pay for your programs and their eligibility requirements are published on their website. Check it out. It's easy. You don't have to come to Boston Career Institute. You can go to other places, but the funding is there. You talk to these people and they will guide you to other people who help provide childcare assistance, special education, and there are professionals out there, social workers. There are charitable organizations that do this. Just expand your network and don't feel ashamed to ask for help. You're not doing anyone a favor. Certainly, first and foremost, you're not doing it to yourself. Reach out, ask for help, and choose success over failure, and it will be good. And on that, I'll end today until I accumulate more of your comments and questions, and I'll be out with my next installment of Learning to Learn with a few practical suggestions on how you can actually succeed in learning with hands-on advice suggestions.
Well, my friends, this was great. I really enjoyed this talk. I'm so grateful for your comments and feedback. Please, please stay in touch. Please offer feedback. Please offer suggestions, requests for what you would like me to talk about. I'm here for you. I enjoy this very much. I wouldn't be a career guru without you. A guru without his minions is not a guru. With that in mind, I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to speaking with you again and again and again. As long as I can be here, as long as those of you who are there willing to listen, then we have this wonderful relationship together. On that note, let's career up. Hashtag let's career up. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all very much. Well, friends and aspiring career gurus, this was fun. Thank you for tuning in. I feel enlightened. I feel empowered and I'm feeling grateful that we spend time with you. For more information about Boston Career Institute, please visit our website, bostoncareer.org. Boston Career Institute has three campuses located in Brookline, Massachusetts, Malden, Massachusetts, and Lowell, Massachusetts. Call our toll-free number 888-383-6058. For questions, comments, and or information about our podcast, email me at the career guru at bostoncareer.org. The Career Guru Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our website, bostoncareer.org, or wherever you stream your podcast. Subscribe, stream, rate, and review our shows. Your rating and reviews help our show reach new audiences. Produced by PodPro Entertainment, The Career Guru lives within a network of podcasts located at podproentertainment.com. Hashtag the new radio. Looking forward to seeing you soon. All the best to you. My name is Steve Yanofsky. I am the career guru. May God bless you. Hashtag let's career up.